You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Episode 35 of Ask Concussion Doc. I am your host, Concussion Doc, Dr. Cameron Marshall. Today we are talking about sleep, sleep and concussions. Uh, this is obviously a very common issue following concussion, uh, and it can kind of go both ways. Sometimes people are sleeping too much and they have excessive daytime sleepiness. And on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes people can't sleep. They ha- either have difficulty falling asleep or difficulty staying asleep. Now, I'm sure that a lot of you listening have come across this problem with either your patients or in yourselves, uh, because up to 70% of patients following traumatic brain injury will have some sort of sleep disruption. Uh, We don't have any exact numbers on mild traumatic brain injury, um, but it's likely to be a little bit lower than what you'd see in all accounts of of traumatic brain injury. So like I said before, there are two possibilities. So we have too much sleep. We have people that are constantly fatigued, constantly drowsy, uh, sleeping all the time, napping during the day, uh, and can never seem to get ahead. Um, That is about 50% of patients. Uh, not enough sleep, you have this the other way around, so trouble falling asleep at night, trouble staying asleep, uh, or full-blown insomnia where you're unable to sleep at all. 33% of patients experience insomnia at night following, again, traumatic brain injury, not necessarily concussion. 50% of those have trouble falling asleep, and 50% of those have more frequent waking or trouble staying asleep. So I'm sure those of you listening can identify with this either in yourselves or in your patients. Now, sleep disturbances, what we have to remember are extremely multifactorial. We can't look at something like concussion and say, because of concussion, I can't sleep. Sleep disturbances can happen for a variety of reasons. uh, And they are, and this is by no means an exhaustive list, but pain, if you have pain and you have headaches, you will be unable to sleep just based on the fact that you have pain. Chronic stress, now that chronic stress, particularly following injury, could be due to the injury itself. So something like a post-traumatic stress disorder, let's say you're involved in a very traumatic experience, motor vehicle accident, um, veterans returning from the battlefield, all of that stuff is going to affect your sleep based on the stress of the incident itself. But you can also have stress from things surrounding the injury itself. So for example, dealing with insurance companies, dealing with lawyers, you know, dealing with disability claims and dealing with pushy bosses that need to get you back in the office and you're worried about how you're gonna make ends meet and you're not able to function and that's keeping you up at night. The problem is that becomes cyclical. Because you're up all night, that makes you feel more anxious, that makes you feel more foggy, that creates a lot of the same symptoms as you would see in just typical concussion, and it's just compounding in this kind of vicious cycle. Uh, Psychiatric disorders, anxiety and depression can create sleep disruptions. Now, when we spoke about insomnia, we said that 50% of those with insomnia have trouble falling asleep, and 50% of those report more frequent waking. Now, 
some studies on this, some review studies that, that I pulled up on this were that people that had trouble falling asleep tended to be more associated with anxiety type symptoms. On the other end, people having difficulty staying asleep tended to be higher in terms of depression-like symptoms. So those two mental health conditions may be affecting your sleep in different ways. So mental health obviously plays a big role in sleep. Brain injury. Some studies have found that following brain injury, your production of melatonin actually reduces. Now for those that don't know, melatonin is a hormone that is secreted by the pineal gland, uh, which is just back from the, from the thalamus uh, in the brain. And the, the, the purpose of melatonin is to regulate your sleep-wake cycle. So melatonin is secreted typically when there's absolute darkness to signify that it is now nighttime and time for sleep and is suppressed during daytime. Melatonin also serves to lower blood pressure and lower body temperature to get you ready for sleep. So there's other benefits of melatonin production. So having good quality sleep can help these things. There's also a theory that brain injury may affect your sleep architecture which your cycles of sleep. So you'll go through kind of these light phases of sleep and then you'll get into your deeper sleep or your REM cycle sleep. Following brain injury, we find that patients typically stay in the lighter cycles of sleep and have more difficulty getting into that deep restorative REM sleep. Um, so that could be a thing. Now this is purely theoretical. There hasn't really been a ton of evidence on this yet. Diet. Now I always relay a lot of things back to diet. Uh, indigestion, nighttime cravings and hunger. Um, this could be related to protein deficiencies in your diet. Also, there's a whole new area of study that's looking at how diet can affect your mental status and poor diet can affect anxiety and make you feel foggy and lethargic and all of these different things which can affect your sleep but also make you feel like no matter how much sleep you get, you're always fatigued, you're always dra drained and you just can't seem to get over it. This could be related to some of the foods you're eating, particularly if you're eating foods that are kind of high in that inflammatory um, type, type, you know, type, <laughs> type, type, um, but also with people with various food sensitivities. So for example, like sugars and things like that can make you feel very lethargic, right? After you have a big meal, you want to, you want to, you need to go have a nap or whatever, but you just feel kind of drained. And that could be one of the reasons. So the foods you're eating can in, in fact affect your mental health, but also, um, in turn affect your sleep. Now this creates a cloudy picture, right? Is it the chicken or the egg? Are you having trouble sleeping because you feel like crap? Or are you feeling like crap because you're having trouble sleeping? And this makes it very difficult to figure out the clinical picture when dealing with a patient, particularly when they're having sleep disruption. Um, so if you're stressed and your mind is active and you can't shut it off and your diet is terrible and you're worried about work and you had a traumatic experience and you know your disability claim has now been denied and all of these things, that's keeping you up at night but then you can't function because you're so foggy and drained and confused and your eyes are weird and you feel just messed up because you're not sleeping. So now it affects your ability to work and get things done during the day. And so this is the cycle that people often get into. And sometimes the best thing to do is just figure out sleep. And I do this a lot of times with my patients. Um, 
Sleep disruption on its own can cause cognitive impairment. So this has been studied. Just having patients come in following a, a bad night's sleep or some sort of sleep disruption or um, keeping them awake, forced, um, you know, forcing them to stay awake and then running them through a cognitive test will reduce their cognitive score. So your function alone is impaired. It can create fogginess, visual disturbances, headaches, pain, anxiety, etc. Um, and it's often, like I said, very difficult to determine what the exact cause is. So with my patients, what I often find in their clinical picture, if sleep is the issue that I want to go for, I'll find symptoms like fogginess, drowsiness, trouble falling asleep, they'll complain of concentration problems and memory problems on oh, my mind is just not quite where it was. But yet, when you ask them about sleep, they're only getting a couple hours of sleep a night, maybe they're having either difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. And so right away, if I'm looking at that clinical picture, I'm like, okay, sleep is the big thing I want to knock off this list. If I can get rid of the sleep problems, there's a very high likelihood that all of these other pieces will fall into place. Similarly, if somebody comes in and their, and their symptoms fit with more of that, that physical side of things, they have headaches in that, and that's affecting their concentration. Well, if you can get rid of the headaches, then their concentration and memory will also improve. So sleep is one of those key, key elements that needs to be figured out. So how do we treat it? How do we treat sleep issues? Well, my, I look at this as like a line of defense. So my first line of defense always is going to be to work on sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene is the way that you take care of yourself and prep, prepare yourself for bedtime, right? Are you uh, watching TV? Do you have the lights on? Those types of things. Are you on your phone? Is your screen on? Because all of that light can suppress melatonin production. And we often don't realize what an effect that could have on our sleep. So things to do for sleep hygiene. Make sure you're dimming the lights before bed. Make sure you're limiting screen time. Uh, avoid napping during the daytime because if you're napping all day and then you go to bed and you can't sleep, you assume that you have some sort of sleep problem but it's because you've been napping all day. So you try to get rid of that, get on a better cycle. And often when we're not working or not going to school, we nap during the day and we can't sleep at night. So we need to try and switch that so that we aren't napping during the day and we're able to actually start getting good night's sleep. Uh, progressive relaxation techniques, muscle relaxation techniques, de-stressing, so meditation, massage, psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, anything we can do to suppress our anxiousness and our anxiety and kind of calm our mind and be able to go to sleep. I often recommend some meditation apps, uh, trying to meditate before you go to bed. I find these very effective for myself, but also um, uh, for others. So that's the first line of defense. Now, this sleep hygiene thing, we have this patient handout here uh, for patients that we often give them. And this is kind of an evidence-based sleep hygiene routine. Um, if you're interested in that, we're actually gonna include this in this month's issues of, of the Concussion Chronicles. We're also gonna include the new American um, Medical Society for Sports Medicine position statement on concussion in sports. So this is a brand new document that just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that, and we're also, like I said, gonna include this sleep hygiene handout. So if you wanna get your hands on that handout, uh, just go and sign up for Concussion Chronicles and you'll get all the newest research um, every month uh, we, we synthesize two or three or four articles uh, depending on you know what's out there so if you want that sign up for Chronicles after my sleep hygiene my next kind of line of defense is now to look at supplementation potentially with something like melatonin 
So melatonin, it's a hormone secreted by the pineal gland, like I said, but it can also be a supplement that you can take um, exogenously. Um, so talk to your healthcare provider about dosage and the correct application for how to actually administer melatonin. There are various forms. There's slow release. There's there's uh, there's rapid release type type formulations. And so you want to make sure you're finding the right one for you to, based on what it is. Talk to your healthcare provider about it, and they can prescribe the proper dosage and the proper type for you. Uh, there are some side effects to melatonin. Uh, it can I increase grogginess the following day. Uh, it can provide. It can produce headaches in some people, but the side effects are much less than in my third line of defense, which is actually getting into sleep medication. So sleeping pills should only ever be used, and this is the recommendation, should only ever be used for a period of seven days. Using sleeping medication for any longer than that, it can create all sorts of side effects and it can actually prevent you from having quality sleep without it. You could develop a dependency to these medications and there's all sorts of other side effects like depression and suicidality and some other things that go along with some of these sleeping medications. So you wanna be very careful when dealing with sleeping pills. Um, so the recommendation is no more than seven days. Uh, often come with a ton of side effects and sometimes if your sleep issues are due to anxiety, sometimes getting the anxiety under control, perhaps with some anti-anxiety medication, may be a better way to go. But again, this is something you'd have to talk to your doctor about to try and find what the best solution is for you. So I tend to start with the natural remedies, things we can do on our own to try and produce better quality sleep, uh, shutting the lights off, sleep hygiene, that type of thing. Second line of defense, let's look at natural supplementation. Third line of defense, let's talk to your doctor about some pharmaceutical options uh, for you. So again, uh, if you want a copy of this, then uh, sign up for Concussion Chronicles and you will have that delivered to your inbox uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, so a question came in, Headspace. Yeah, I've, I use, uh, what's the one I use? I can't remember the one I use. Um, What's it called? Anyway, I know Headspace is good. Uh, there's some other ones. There's Calm. Uh, I, why can't I remember the one that I use? Uh, um, anyway, there's there, there's a few of them out there. I know that I've heard people talk about Headspace as being uh, quite good. And so uh, anything that you find, there's a bunch. Try to play around with them um, and, and see which one you like best and uh, go from there. It's all trial and error. Any other questions? All right, guys. That's it for episode number 35. Uh, next week, I don't know what the topic is yet, but uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can watch these videos on YouTube if you want to see what I look like. <laughs> and we always do it live here on Instagram uh, every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time if you want to join in on the conversation and ask questions at the time. Always happy to do so. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Ask Concussion Doc, episode 35, over. I'm going back to sleep. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.